Chapter 6 of Commentary on Romans by Theodoret of Cyrus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. By the reprobation of this he shows its inconsistency, but the question itself be put down, because of what had been just before said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound nor is he contented with this bare condemnatory disavowal, but proceeds to treat the subject in another way also. Verse 2. How shall we that have died to sin live any longer therein? And how have we died thereto? Verse 3. Know you not, brethren, that as many of us as have been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into his death? Thou hast renounced sin, and hast become dead to it, and buried with Christ. How is it possible, then, that thou shouldst admit this same sin? Verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The very sacrament of baptism has taught thee to fly from sin, for baptism carries in it the representation of our Lord's death, for in that thou hast communicated both in the death and in the resurrection of Christ. It becomes thee, therefore, to lead a new life, as it were, and one suited to him in whose resurrection thou hast partaken. The divinity of Christ is what he here calls the glory of the Father, for thus also in another epistle he speaks, Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and the Lord in the Gospels, John 2.19, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Nay, and if heretics will not receive this interpretation, neither so can they injure the glory of the only begotten, for even granting that it was the Father who raised him up, as man it was that he raised him, for as man it was that he also endured the passion. Verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Since he had called baptism, which places us in a state of salvation, a type of death, by this change of name he plainly points out the resurrection, for whatever is distinctly planted springs up again. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man has been crucified with him, that the body might be rendered inoperative as regards sin, so as that we should no longer serve sin, not our nature, but our evil inclination is what he here calls the old man, and this, he says, has been put to death in baptism, that the body may be idle as regards sin, for this it is, which he means by that the body might be made to cease from sin, so that it should in no wise serve sin. And this he shows more plainly by another similitude. Verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. For whoever yet saw one that was dead, either invading the marriage bed of another, or imbruing his hands in bloodshed, or committing any other of the catalogue of iniquities. Verse 8. For if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. It becomes us therefore also, having been buried with Christ, to be dead indeed unto sin, but to await the resurrection. Verse 9. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Amply by these words has he proved his wish to make believers abstain from sin. Once, says he, Christ died, and that he should a second time die were impossible, for he now possesses an immortal body. On this account, therefore, we all also enjoy one baptism. Expect not then any second forgiveness by means of any second baptism. He has indeed well said that 
he died unto sin for he was not subject to death inasmuch as he had done no sin but received death for our sin verse eleven and thus indeed reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin but alive unto god through jesus christ and do you therefore display your bodies dead to the inworking of sin but embrace the life which is after christ by which you shall obtain the life eternal to this advice it behoves us all to take heed flying from the snares of sin and calling to our aid christ who has saved us for if called he will appear and extend to us his own strength in conjunction with whom to the father and the thrice holy spirit belong glory and majesty now and for ever unto endless ages amen book three verse twelve let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof a reign differs from a tyranny in this that a tyranny is exercised over those who unwillingly submit to it a reign over lusts who are consenting thereto he exhorts us therefore no longer to agree in the government of sin for the lord in his incarnation has overthrown its reign and as one legislating for mere mortals and such as possess a body liable to passions he enjoins things consistent with their infirmities and says not let not sin tyrannize but let it not reign for the former is its own property the latter rests on our will the motions and tumult of the passions being engendered in us by nature while the performance of what are forbidden depends on our own volition and he shows moreover the short duration of the warfare by denominating the body mortal in that when it has undergone the termination of death the attack of the passions ceases likewise he exhorts us then not to put a stop to the tyranny of sin but not to obey it when intemperately inflaming the desires of the body verse thirteen neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin having spoken of a rain in strict keeping herewith he mentions its artillery also and teaches us the way of victory for the weapons which sin uses against us are our own members but yield yourselves unto god as those that are alive from the dead and indeed just before he had said the very same thing and so reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto god through jesus christ that is ye have been buried with christ and have risen again with him wherefore ye are dead to sin and aspire to another life and your members as instruments of righteousness unto god he shows that the body is not evil but the work of a god of goodness for it is competent to serve god if well and properly governed by the soul wherefore it is the inclination of our own free will to the worse that offers the members for weapons as it were to sin and again the love arising from our knowledge of good which prepares the members to obey the divine laws for thus the tongue of the musician when he is in the right mind offers up fitting melody to the god of all but when he is drunken and disordered madly sends forth the horrid sounds of impiety and thus also it is both adorned by the words of truth and disgraced by falsehoods and thus the eye likewise can look abroad both modestly and lasciviously both savagely and benevolently and thus also the hand both kills and pities and in short all the members of the body become the instruments of holiness when the spirit is so minded and of sin on the reverse when it has embraced the governance of sin but in another way also does the holy apostle demonstrate the easiness of the victory verse fourteen for sin shall no longer have dominion over you says he for nature no longer fights singly but has for her assistant the grace of the spirit for this he adds for ye are not under the law but under grace 
he shows that before the coming of the covenant of grace the law taught only what was to be done but afforded no help to those under it while the covenant of grace in addition to the imposition of duties extends assistance also on which account the legislative constitution of grace is also more complete than the law as removing the impediments by the succour and here again he answers an objection arising verse fifteen what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace he notes this objection because of the gainsayers and first reprobates it pointing out its absurdity and says god forbid and then more at length demonstrates the contrary verse sixteen know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness whomsoever ye choose to submit yourselves unto his commands you are bound to comply with for it is not possible at the same time to obey two lords but righteousness and sin are diametrically opposed to each other and this also the lord says in the holy gospels matthew six twenty four no man can serve two masters verse seventeen but god be thanked that ye were the servants of sin but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you he both points out the change in themselves and exhibits the joy arising therefrom giving praise to god for ye were says he the servants of sin but by your own voluntary choice have shaken off its sovereignty and embraced the divine polity verse eighteen having then been freed from sin ye were made servants of righteousness ye have cast away the slavery of sin and taken upon you the yoke of righteousness it is not possible therefore that bearing the latter you should yield to the commands of the former verse nineteen i speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh i suit my exhortations to your nature for i am well aware of the passions which contend in a mortal body for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness by this also he shows that it is not the natural see verse thirteen body that deserves reprobation but the disposition that leads it astray and he demands indeed from us nothing impossible but that what we did give to sin the same we should afford to righteousness and to the former we subjected ourselves while it enjoined iniquity the latter if we obey it will bring us to holiness verse twenty for when ye were the servants of sin ye were free from righteousness for ye fulfilled its precepts only while as to the laws of righteousness ye received not them at all and then again in another way he exhibits the difference verse twenty one what fruit had ye then from those things tell me yourselves the gains of sin or rather it were idle to ask for in silence you confess its injury for ye are covered with shame as he adds whereof ye are now ashamed for although any one be barefaced indeed he yet cannot but experience shame when his enjoyment is over and he subjoins in addition to this the greater and more bitter fruit of sin for the end of those things is death death he means not the present which is merely temporal but that which is eternal verse twenty two but now having been freed from sin and made servants of god ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life in these words he opposes god to sin holiness to shame and life everlasting to everlasting death verse twenty three for the wages of sin is death as according to the metaphor throughout adopted he had said that it formerly reigned and now tyrannizes and he had called its weapons our own badly disposed members 
consistently also does he denominate the reward wages for so he was in the habit of naming the pay of soldiers as in the epistle to the corinthians he says one corinthians nine seven who goeth a warfare at any time on his own wages but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord here he says not reward but free gift for eternal life is the gift of god for though any one should carry through the highest virtues still those blessings could not justly be weighed as a requital for such present labours having said these things to them that lived under the covenant of grace respecting the obligation lying on them to avoid sin he again turns his discourse to the comparison between the covenant of law and grace and shows the strength of the latter and the weakness of the former and teaches that on the entrance of the one the other ceased End of chapter six